This is Tess Pelicano from the Connecticut Filmmakers Workshop, and you're listening to Fade In, recorded under the Baobab Tree at Baobab Tree Studios. Yes, yeah, so turn on, um, unmute all the uh, mics. Oh, man, because you know what? We went out of order. <laughs> we did. We went all over the place. The magic right. of editing. Yeah. God, I'm so glad that I'm not the one editing this one. <laughs> Thanks. Thank <Bye>. you. <laughs> In three, two, one. Action. And welcome back to Fade In, a show where we follow the life and times of a ragtag group of filmmakers making stories on screen and over the podcast airways. I am your host, Tess Pelicano. Among other things, I'm a producer and writer for the Connecticut Filmmakers Workshop. So, for the first time, I have a guest host in studio with me, our very own sound engineer, Brendan Linehan. Hi. Hey there. Usually, you're in the box, in the behind a glass window. Pressing all the buttons. Yes. But now, you get to be on the mic with us. Woo! Yes. So, um, Brendan is here today because we're going to be talking about uh, independent filmmaking and a film festival coming up in New Haven. Film project. With a film project. We'll yep. get there. <laughs> but um but Brendan is you're you're a part of that community. You're you're a filmmaker. I am. You're more than a sound engineer. There's more to you than pressing buttons. Yes. So yes. uh you're here to, to talk about that as well because you're part of that with us. You're I'm not ha- just I'm part of that universe, yes. You're part of that universe. So can you uh just before we get started with our special guest today, can you just give us and our audience a sense of who you are, what you do, and um, kind of what you love about filmmaking? Of course. So yes, yeah, so like you said, I'm Brendan Linehan, and um, I'm the operations manager here at Baobab Tree Studios, which means I pretty much do anything from cleaning the bathrooms to uh, sitting in the booth, or now sitting at the table. Look um, at you moving up. Yep. <laughs> slowly, and, slowly but surely. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, in terms of me as a person, in terms of what I love about filmmaking, is I treat art as therapy. Um, And that allows me to get a lot of my own personal things out there in a fun and creative way. Yeah. What what kind of filmmaking do you do with Baobab, or what kind of projects do you do? You said, we were talking earlier, and you said something about a a web series TV show, or um, oh yes, the television yeah. show. Yeah, so you do you do more than filmmaking, but what mm-hmm. kind of what kind of things do you, or projects are you working on? So right now, um, we're working on uh, active project is a, a television show that goes out on CTV called Be Inquisitive, uh, exploring disabilities. That's a mother and son project. A little plug in for them, real fast. <laughs> um, and uh, that's something one of our flagship projects. Like I was telling you earlier. That, uh, yeah, we've been doing here for a while. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, so you, um, one of the mottos of, or the motto of, of Baobab is something along the lines of storytelling and collaboration. <laughs> what, yeah. what, tell, me, tell us what that is. We often tell people to come in and share their stories with us um, and to collaborate with us. I mean, in this process of, of putting yourself out there in digital media, um, to tell your story, tell a little bit, a, a little bit about you. Um, and that's what I love about it. And we tell people, you know, we're going to work with you. You know, we, you tell your story, but there's, there's more than one part of a story. So we want to help you tell that in the most effective and beautiful way possible. And that's what you want to do as your, 
your passion career collide. Yes. That's what yes. you want to do. That's beautiful, Brendan. Thank you. We'll, sh- we'll um, shut up with you. <laughs> Just the one our podcast audience won't know that we're not really crying, but we could tell them we are. Paint I'll, that I'll add in a sound effect later. <laughs> we'll just paint that picture for them. Brendan getting all teary-eyed. <laughs> so uh, in this episode, we're really excited to be talking about some independent filmmaking and the community surrounding it, and specifically the upcoming 48-hour film project New Haven with the very woman who runs it. Our guest today is that woman, supervising producer of ITV Fest, and city producer of 48-Hour Film Project New Haven, Superwoman Trish Clark. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, we are so excited to have you mm-hmm. because uh, Brendan and I will be participating in 48-Hour. <laughs> I like that. That means two teams. So At we, least we two. Like, <laughs> well, we have, uh, I think as of this morning, 10. Oh, nice. That's a, yeah. That's a nice chunk of... Yeah. Of people. Yeah. So far, we'll get many more. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I think last year we, we had like over 20 teams, something like that. Uh, I've had the first year we had nine with like two months to plan the whole thing. Oof. And so I've had at, as few as nine, as most as 36 or 37 oh, in wow. one year. So Damn. Yeah. It, but, you know, it could be at least 50. You never know. Well, that whoever was... signs up. I mean... Just means more competition for us. That's right. We should encourage people not to sign up. <laughs> no, we totally want people to sign up. We want more people to sign up. Yeah. The more the merrier. That's yeah. right. It's a lot of fun to see your film up on the big screen. Yeah. yeah. Or extremely embarrassing. Or that. <laughs> it could be either. Yeah. Uh, so, Brendan, what are your... You are you are a filmmaker now. You work on some TV series. You work on our podcast and some others. But what are your aspirations in filmmaking? Yeah, um... One of my favorite things and what inspired me in the beginning was uh, like movement and martial arts and kung fu and just that that part of filmmaking and being able to tell a story effectively through movement. Um, and that's kind of where my aspirations are leading me is to be able to use body language, use people's movements to help kind of tell the story more. And so I want to work on a, an entirely silent film. But you're telling everything through body language and movement. So we know which one, which category you want for 48. <laughs> I mean, possibly. <laughs> well, my... there, martial arts is also a category. Is it now? It is this year. Yeah. Oh. So never mind. I'm changing it. I want martial arts. <laughs> or I want both to pick from. <laughs> Wouldn't that be tough? And the, but then you could combine them. A oh, so martial you... arts film? You could. Oh. Do we get extra points for that? You don't get extra points, oh, but darn. you get certainly creativity points. Yeah. If I do Kung Fu, though, I definitely want to have, like, an off-place, like, um, English audio track. So, like, every... Oh, my God, that would be hilarious. Oh, so it's like the mouths are moving, but they're all, like... <laughs> That's totally what you should do. But oh, we're going to yeah. use all Ameri- you know, <laughs> New Haven people. And yeah. so it's just yeah. like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why is it off? That, that'd be <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Oh my God! So, so <laughs> why? No, that's what I want you to get too. Yeah, I want to see if that happens. That would be hilarious. I hope. That'd be wonderful. Um, so yeah. So, what are your aspirations, film-wise? Do you want to, you know, work on Hollywood movie sets? Do you want to become more, do a more independent thing? Do you want to work in? I don't know. TV. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the independent route. I like that freedom and, and that creativity that comes with that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I would definitely want to, I'm, I'm more working that way is mm-hmm. to pu- push projects that I really do care about mm-hmm. and to do, um, films that reflect that. But I also, uh, I want to teach others to, yeah. to be open enough to want to follow this, to follow their dreams and follow their creativity. So I want to lead into kind of a, uh, a film teaching role, I guess. Oh. So teach, you know, younger generations to come up and to appreciate, um, filmmaking and its craft and who they are wow that's a lovely aspiration getting deep on this podcast (laughs) um did you have you ever thought about going to school for teaching and trying to teach at like a college or something uh i have thought about it and then the uh debt scared me away (laughs) it's like i'm not making enough money now and then i would be making less yeah then i'd owe more yeah, but yeah. I, but I definitely want to go back to college and, and mm-hmm. get, get some of the degrees under my belt. Um, but I would want to keep on a way more just community-based, just teaching people who I know and teaching people who come to me Yeah. Um, to have that kind of personal relationship because I think it's a very personal thing. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, that way I don't need to be certified so people can't yell at me. <laughs> it's like, you're not doing your job. No. Well. <laughs> no bureaucracy in the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, yeah. have you... Uh... Are there classes at Baobab? Um, we do hold some like seminars, some class type things. Um, and we're actually leading into that. Um, there are a few projects in the works that I cannot announce at the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. um, a little top <laughs> dun, secret, dun, dun. little uh, hush hush. But we got a lot of secrets being spilled on this show. Um, yeah, a little bit, but I, it's good to allude to um that this is kind of in line with with Baobab Tree Studios, and it's kind of where I am because. In a way, this is me. The studio is me. Hi, I'm Trish Clark from the 48-Hour Film Project New Haven, and you're listening to Fade In, recorded under the Baobab tree at Baobab Tree Studios. So, Trish, give us a little sense of uh, who you are, what you do now, and kind of how you got to where you are in your career. Uh, Well, I went to college for communications, and I was a communications radio TV film at Marist, out in Poughkeepsie, New York. Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. (laughs) And and while I was there, I interned at VH1, because I always wanted to work for MTV. That was my goal (laughs) growing up. I uh, idolized Martha Quinn and wanted to be an MTV. But I also thought, well, if you were a VJ, you made the videos and didn't understand the difference till I you know, started studying it and went to school for it. I uh, went to VH1 and interned there on a show, 8-Track Flashback. And then after I graduated, I came home, worked at CTV, and waited for my friend to graduate. And then we moved to New York, and I started working full-time at VH1. Oh, wow. So I was there for about five years, did 8-Track, legends that series and uh when the 100 greatest started i was on the first four seasons of that if you want to call it seasons now they've even repeated some of the 100 greatest (laughs) and have redone the countdowns and i went from there well i should segue that so i right after i graduated from college i did an independent film that was shot at marist too and some people i had already graduated but some of the resident directors didn't want to deal with a film crew so they said well come back up for 
a few weeks. And they totally described it to me as like someone's senior project, like from Tish or something like that. So I was like, all right, whatever. I've taken part in these before for friends. Then I got there. It was like a full on feature shot on film. Like on like film, like physical it was film. film. I'm that old. It was shot on film. <laughs> and well, you're um, describing things on MTV that I like blank stare from yeah, me. I'm like, ah, I know MTV as Teen Mom. So see, you're missing out on good music. That's all. I, I don't think they do the top 100 stuff anymore. I don't think they do this. No, things. they probably just re-air. But so so you know, I did an independent film there. Then really, you know, it was just more into TV. Did. VH1 for five years, and then uh, segued over to the Rosie O'Donnell show. Wow. So yeah. so did daytime talk show, which had very early mornings, but also got me two Emmys. So that's pretty cool. So you have them in your name? Yeah. Or are they, that is so cool. Yeah, everyone you know who works on the show gets, gets not, everybody doesn't get the trophy, but you get certifi- Emmy certificates. That, yeah, like a yeah, have your name framed. On it. Yep. Framed. That is yeah. super cool. And we actually just had uh, last week, the 20th anniversary of that show starting, but I was on my cruise, so I missed the party. Oh. I saw all the pictures. Oh, you were on the cruise with your I was, with I was your on my kid. vacation. Yeah. Cruise, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but I have a m- much more of a TV production background because of that. But then, uh, as I said, I started the 48 because of just looking for something to get back into production in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And re- I realized that there was a need for it here to be here it's this we're in this great hub of such artistic community here and we're in between new york and boston we could easily get to both places so it's a it's a great spot and especially so with the arts and ideas festival going on right now mm-hmm. yeah it's like year know. 25 for that which is crazy yeah oh that, it's year 20, 20. yeah it's been going on for a long time now that's a longer shelf life than anything in new haven has well, except for the buildings owned by Yale. Well, yeah. But. <laughs> but I mean, like, but I mean, you know, the, the Green has had the Jazz Fest, which is mm-hmm. definitely not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, scale wise, we used to have the bed races, which they're trying to bring back now, but in a smaller scale. We used to have um, the Street Festival, which I loved and miss a lot. But they all had shorter shelf lives. But Arts and Ideas, twenty five years, they're still. And it goes on for like strong. three weeks at a time or something like that. It's three weeks in June usually. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is, according to the Almanac, the driest time in Connecticut. June? Yeah. Well, it's the best They place do it because this... it's it's their best chance of not getting rain. Rain, yeah. Because they do so many outside activities. Yeah. And events. There's so much going on. So mm-hmm. it's like, why not add more to it in yeah. a new space? And and then mm-hmm. by the time we do 48 here, Arts and Ideas is over. So it's That's like, right. We want more. <laughs> That's right. It's it's more entertainment. And, you know, you can shoot on the green. You can shoot anywhere. So Yeah. So what drew you to filmmaking? You know, it, you said your interests began with your studies in college. Did anything before that spark your interest in terms of like, oh, wow, this is the moment where I was like, this is what I want to do? Um, well, I, like I said, like I just really loved MTV and VH1 and I was a TV-aholic <laughs> growing up. And so when I realized that I could actually major in that and make that, that's what I dealt into in college and and that it was you know it combined tv and film so i spent four years studying it and you know i could pick up a camera and do stuff like i was the person who at college was always making the videos for the groups that i was in and so it just you know sparked from there in terms of film it came back because after you know doing all the tv and then i came here came back home to start my family and I found that 
for production in Connecticut, there was like, or rather production in New Haven, there was, you know, Channel 8, and I do not want to do news. So, or I could go back to CTV, but I had already worked there for several years, so. And there's not too much, I mean, it's it's quite limited with with CTV because it's local access and it's That's New public. Haven, Hamden, and West Haven yeah. public access, yeah. Um, but, you know, like I had already done shows there because I did shows there when I interned and then when I worked there. Yeah. You know, it's great, but it's just not really the production that I wanted. Like no. that's, you know, in studio mostly, although some of their shows are field. Are field yeah. yeah. But uh, like that's what I did at Rosie. I was the field producer. So I did all the stuff that wasn't in the studio. When Disney's California graded, uh, Disney's California Adventure opened up. We went there for two days and shot with Rosie and the cast of the Drew Carey show, going around on all the rides before it was open. Wow. So it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's been off for many a year. Yeah. It's, yeah. But, uh, yeah. but it was a good show. You know, so that's that's kind of like the background of where everything came from. And then, mm. you know, there, as I said, there wasn't a lot of options for things here. So I thought, oh, well, when I heard about the 48, I was like, that's great. It brings production here and gets me to meet a whole new crowd of people that I would have similar interests in. Yeah. You know, and in doing so, like the first year was just nine teams. I only had two months to kind of put the whole thing together. And it was great. Like I'm still friends with some with some people who did it the first year. Uh, one of the judges from the first year has then like turned into my biggest production partner that I do the most of my stuff with. Oh, wow. Um, so um, from the first year, I was at a, a short-lived film festival that was in New Haven, uh, Dreamland, that lasted for a couple of years. And I was at a screening and I met Stephen Dest. And while we were there, he's like, oh, I just got greenlit for a movie. And I said, hi, I'm Trish Clark. You need a producer. And, yeah. he, and he's like, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because he's like, I did need you on set. I'm like, I know. <laughs> and, you know, we shot a film here in New Haven. Like, and it was, New Haven was just as much a part of the film as any of the characters. Yeah. You know, just shooting ground here. And, you know, it's great. Like, that's how I got, I built up this film community. And now, you know, people call me to crew up things in Connecticut or surrounding states because they know that I know a lot of people now. Yeah, that's how I, I got a gig. You, you got a gig for me. Yes, by people asking you, do you have people? <laughs> it was that's a uh, Kleenex commercial. It was a Kleenex, Kleenex commercial. Yeah, yeah. and and it's, it's just really cool because it's like as much as Connecticut filmmakers and here at Baobab, we you know, when we work with them, we take it seriously. We treat it professionally. Mm -hmm. But that it's like they have money, those Kleenex crews. They have because they are beholden to a company and to trying to get that story together. It's a whole different experience. And it's really interesting to see them do it the way that they do. Well, and part of it, too, is like, as you said, like being professional, like you should do that on every set that you're yeah. on, it, yeah. whether you know, it's just here shooting a 48 or, you know, for Kleenex or for mm -hmm. Walmart, which I've done a lot of commercials for. And because you never know where your next job is going to come from. Mm -hmm. And the impression that you make is what is going to last. Like, so if you make a bad impression, they are never going to call you again, period. Mm -hmm. And so that's it. Like, always count that this is a connection to your next job or to anything. Like, you know, maybe... This person really likes you and you didn't know that, oh, they were actually staffing up for a feature the next week and looking for people, but they realized they couldn't work with you. 
because of of something that you did on set. So mm. you like this is a job. Like take it seriously. Yeah. And if you want to make it a career, if you want to keep going with it, you know, don't just push it aside. Yeah, it's like with us here. You know, as much as we don't make money doing the show, we treat it as if we would. Yeah. You know, it's like we try to make it the best we can get it out there because who knows who's going to hear it. That's the whole point. Like you, this is representing you. This mm -hmm. is representing this company, this organization, and, you know, in your classes that you're taking. Yeah. So you yeah. want to have a good representation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking that, uh, the internship at the CTV. So, but it's, it's interesting too, to learn, to go into their studios because they're teaching us everything like the, the sound boards. When I see Brendan on his, I'm like, oh, so intimidating. Look at all the buttons. But it's like when they explain to you the buttons, you know how to do it. And like, I directed a mock shoot we did the other day in class just to see that I could, if I could do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, you have to know everything that's going on. You have to be able to say to somebody, I need this and they need to know what they need to know. And it's like, right. And and that's in one place that's in a studio, and it, but the same skill can be transferred out to shoots, you know? Yeah. So it's like all that kind of stuff is benefiting everywhere that well, I try to do stuff. And I think something that you said is really important. You should know how to do everything on the set. Yeah. And then in studio and out in the field so mm -hmm. that you all are speaking the same language. You know what's happening. Mm -hmm. You should be able to pinch it if you need to step in somewhere else and all have like hopefully if you're all in the same crew have a singular vision and I do think also like when you're going to school I think it's a great trait to learn all the things because then you learn where you excel and where you really want to be yeah you know I mean I probably like going to school thought oh I'd be behind the camera Mm -hmm. And then, like, for example, they had me taking senior classes when I was a sophomore. I'm like, okay, well, you haven't cleared me to use the equipment yet. So, like, oh, you can act. I'm like, no one needs to see me act, mm -hmm. ever. Like, no. this is not a good thing. I sit in for lighting. That's about as, as, yeah, like, as much you know. in front of the camera as I'll be. But, but you know, as time wore on, it was good because you eventually did get to use each, you know, you were the director. You were editing. You were at the switchboard you know, mm -hmm. in a studio doing the three camera shoots or whatever. So, yeah. you, you know, you got to learn everything, which was good. And I think my time at VH1, like being an intern and production assistant, associate producer, produ segment producer, like working my way up. But like, that's where I learned that like, I was really good at behind the scenes and like, and producing. And organization. Organization yeah. is big. <laughs> and I think it's also good when you have a good partnership with your team like mm. the producer I feel a lot of times is my goal is like to make the director's vision happen mm. and that means like getting the right crew getting him the shots like getting anything that is you know working for that end goal like I didn't write it mm. I didn't you know so you definitely want their vision to come across in the in the best way possible so yeah so tell us a little bit about ITV Fest. What you you currently work at ITV Fest. What is that and and what do you do there? So ITV Fest is also ironically something that I found out about through the 48. I was at a, a Connecticut film the film industry mixer and I was sitting on a panel of people that make film festivals and I happened to be sitting next to Phil Gilpin who is the executive director at ITV Fest. And ITV Fest is now in its uh 13th year, I believe. Eight years, it was in California. And then it moved over to up in Vermont. <laughs> and so now it's a destination festival. And 
instead of there are a ton of film festivals out there. Right. You could go to Sundance. You could go to South by. You could go to a million other small festivals all over. They're for films. So mm-hmm. ITV Fest is where you can go for everything else because it's web series or pilots, mm-hmm. TV series or pilots, documentaries. So the longest thing we'd show is like a 90-minute documentary. Oh, okay. And shorts. So it's for all these other places that don't really have festivals or somewhere to screen. And so we're up there, and this year it's October 5th through 9th. And then the 10th is Columbus Day. So you do have that long weekend and can travel home on Monday. And we have, because you're up in Vermont, it's a secluded space. So everyone gets to talk to everybody, which means that you could be up there showing your series and you could be having a drink with an HBO exec, you know, right there. And so that's the thing. Like we're giving you connections that you wouldn't get other places and a really strong creative community is is what makes it's what sets ITV Fest apart. So you do you submit your content to be like you have to get through to be considered. Right. So you can go on the website now, which is just ITVFest.com, but the deadline for submissions is June thirtieth. Okay. (laughs) After this airs. But um but so you can submit, and I think it's like $50. It's a very nominal submission fee. And yes, there is a screening process because, I mean, right now we have over 200 submissions, and we will screen about 40 to 50 things. Wow. So during the course of the festival, everyone screens twice, and then there is a Q&A after the second one. So you have two options to screen. You have the Q&As. There's lots of parties and events. There are workshops and panels. And it's a great place to connect with people. But yes, you do have to submit and go through the screening (laughs) process first. We don't let everybody in. Right. Yeah. Although we do have now also we have something that we've we call network notes. So a few shows that were really close but didn't quite get to be screened. We invite them up as well, and they get some one-on-one time with one of our executives to say, you know, maybe you should consider this, and that might have pushed you over the edge to get screened. Oh, wow. So, which actually I think worked out really well for a lot of the people last year that did it, because then they some, some came just for the day, and some stayed for the whole festival, but they got a one-on-one meeting yeah. that even some people that were at the festival didn't have unless they, you know, made it happen mm. or, you know, so yeah. they really, like, I mean, one, one guy flew in from Ireland just for his meeting. Oh, wow. So like, and that's someone who really is taking this seriously, as, yeah. as we had said before, like, this is, this is not a hobby. This is what you want to do. So yeah. you make it happen. Yeah. And like some other guys like drove over from like Michigan <laughs> to like, oh, it took us two days to drive for our 10 minute meeting, but we're here. And they, you know, they stayed all day and they yeah. made the most out of it. Yeah. And their 10 minute meeting was much longer than 10 minutes, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, that's it. They were, this is your dream. This is what you're going for. This is your creative passion and you're fueling it. So Yeah. And you, you're living the dream, getting paid to do the thing that you are passionate about. That's right. Trisha's living the dream. Living the dream <laughs> in New Haven, Connecticut. Yeah, there you go. And I think that's a good place to end us <laughs> on our Living the Dream.
Hey there, Fade In listeners. This is your host, Tess Pelicano. Did you enjoy my interview with Trish and want more? Well, you're in luck because there is more. Part two of this interview will be out next week. We'll be talking all 48-hour film project New Haven, all episode. And we're releasing it exclusively on Facebook, on both the Connecticut Filmmakers Workshop and the 48-hour film project New Haven pages. So check it out.